Jennifer, and uh, God's so good. I, I just feel like we just, yeah, I just feel like he's, he's got stuff for us. Don't just take part of what God has, take it all. Take it all and receive his word this morning. John chapter 14 is where I'm going to ask you to uh, turn in your Bibles, and if you could just hold those open or... Uh, if you have it on your phone or iPad or whatever you use, just keep it open because we're going to look at those uh, first few verses of John chapter 14 today, and um, we're going to just kind of wrap up our series, He Gets Us, and uh, it's been so good this summer to talk about how Jesus knows us. We had just moved to the suburbs, um, so I think it's like 1977 or so, and and we moved to Des Plaines, and, and my dad was uh, planting the church, and, and uh, you know, it was small. There weren't any kids there, really, and so uh, they had me join an Awana program that was in a, a, a church in our neighborhood uh, so I could learn Bible verses and be with other kids that love Jesus, and so I went to Awana, and, and um, there was uh, one night that my Dad couldn't pick me up uh, from Awana. There must have been something going on late at night at church. And the church was literally only five or six blocks away, pretty much a straight shot. And, um, and he says, I need you to walk home tonight and, uh, uh, after Awana, and, um, and it'll be okay. And it, I mean, we didn't live in the city. We lived in the suburbs, and you can just walk home, right? I mean, it was in the 1970s. You can do things like that. And, um, and so... Uh, we had a great time at Iwana, always did, and I just started heading home. I kind of knew the direction, and um, then all of a sudden I realized I don't know where I am. Like, I have no clue where my house is, because we had just recently moved, and, and in the city, like, my whole life was like in a three-block radius, Right? Our church was like two blocks one way. The jewel was two blocks the other way. My grandma was one block the other way. That's like my whole world. Like, so I, I knew where things were. But here I'm like, ah, I don't know where I am. I'm, I'm literally standing uh, in, in, on a block, and I'm like, I don't know where I am. I know I'm close to home, but I don't know where home is. I think a lot of times in life, we know we're close, right? We're close to that goal. We're close to that dream. We're close to home. We're, clo we're close, but we're just not sure how to get there. It's like, I, I, just, I, just, I just need to get to this place, and I, just, I'm, I know I'm close, but I don't know how to get there. God gets us. He understands us, and he understands our hearts. We're going to look at what is probably the most controversial verse in all of the Bible, and it's in John 14, verse 6, but we're going to look at all the verses up to that. And so, if you have your Bibles, let's begin at verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I, go to prepare, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, 
Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That verse right there, that's pretty exclusive, isn't it? That's pretty controversial in the day in which we live, that he's the only way, the only truth, the only life. He's, are you sure about that? Back in the Jesus People movement, back in the 1970s, they had a symbol, the one-way sign, right? Everybody remember the finger, one way? We call that the Christian finger. So if you want to give somebody the finger, give them the Christian finger. Give them, give them the one-way sign and... and uh, there is only one way. Let me give you the context of Jesus talking here. This is the last night of his life. This is what we call the Last Supper. So Jesus, before he goes to the cross, he's with his disciples, and he says that, I don't want your hearts to be troubled. This is actually a really powerful verse. I want you to think about it, and I'm going to talk to you in the context of being a pastor, is these are the verses we read when someone is about to pass from this life to the next, when they're at their bedside, these are a few of the verses we read. We say, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus. He's gone to prepare a wonderful place for you. It's okay. You can go. You can trust him. If it were not so, would he have not told you? You know, all the things that we just read, they are so powerful in those final moments as you read them. And then oftentimes we continue to read them at, at funerals, but it's, it's not just for funerals, it's for all of life. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You know, the disciples don't realize that in just a few minutes, their lives are going to be turned upside down. They have no idea what's coming. And so Jesus just wants to let them know, you're about to see some things that you never thought you'd see. Your, your hopes and dreams in me are going to be, be dashed against the rock. You're, you're going to see things that, that will shake your faith to the core, but don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus knows what's coming. The disciples know, but Jesus knows. He says, don't, don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me. That's what he says. Believe in me. Because when you see these things, your first reaction will be just to throw it all out. Like, lose your faith. Like, oh, I guess it's all over. We got to go run and hide. He says, no, don't stop believing. Believe in me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. And, and that's in the Greek. I know we read from the New King James, it said many mansions. But it's actually dwelling places or what we would call rooms that this is the context of the New Testament. He, go, he says, I go in to prepare a place for you. In a New Testament marriage, when a, a, a husband and a wife or a groom and a bride would be uh, just, again, it's an arranged marriage. So when the marriage would be arranged, the groom would go and the groom would prepare a place at their family house for his bride to come and live with him. And when that place was ready, he would go and get his bride. That's just how it worked. And, and so he goes, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, Jesus is saying, I'm promising you this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your faith be shaken. Believe in me. Even when you, you don't see it, even when it feels like it's all crashing down, 
I've got this. I've got this. You can take it to the bank. These are powerful, beautiful words of comfort. In the, in the chapter just before this, you can, you can read that he has predicted that he's going to be betrayed. He's predicted that he's going to be denied. He's predicted that he's going to die. And then he says, but don't let your hearts be troubled. They're going to be shocked. They're going to be abandoned. They're going to be questioning everything. Their whole world will be falling apart. And Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Do you know that Jesus knows that there are going to be moments in your life when your world is falling apart? He gets us. He knows there are times in our life where we're going to be troubled. When things are to come and they're going to shake our faith, he knows those things are coming. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. He gets us. He understands what's going on. So he makes this promise, and it's an interesting promise. He promises, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going I'm to make this place for you. Don't worry, I, I'm making this place for you. Now, I want you to think of the place in your life. Where's that safe place? Maybe it's the home that you live in, that you've lived in for many, many years, and that's just like a safe place for you and your family. Or maybe it's a, a place in nature, or maybe it's somewhere you took vacations, or uh, for me, it's a grandparents' house, and I got a picture on the screen of, of my grandparents' house where I would go in Iowa and, and, and spend time, and, and, and there's just there's those safe places in life, those anchor places where you are welcome and you are loved, and they want you to be there, and you're not lonely. Like, the, the just arms are open, come on in, and I remember going with my grandpa and grandma, and they just... They would have people over all the time to play games or for tea and, and, and cake, and they would go out and go to other people's homes. It was just this, this wonderful place. See, the world in which we live is very stingy. There's a scarcity mindset. There's only a few spots left. Call in the next 60 seconds, right? It's like, oh, there's not much. They're, yeah, they're going to get it before you get it. Je Jesus isn't like that. He's like, there's plenty of room for everyone. I love everybody. I'm, there's going to be more than enough room. You invite all your friends. Like, like, he's so different from this world. He says, I'm making a place for you. No more scarcity. No more competition. It's like, no, I've got a place I prepared for you. There are places we go that we are welcome, and there are places we go that we are not welcomed. I, I've traveled often for the college to teach. I've, I've literally traveled all over the world. And I've gone to places to teach at a, at a church, and they pick you from the airport, they take you to a hotel, and then they'll pick you up for class and bring you back. But Apparently, they think you don't eat or something because there's no food provided and they, they never take you anywhere. And so I've had to live off vending machines and hotels for, you know, that's no way to live, by the way. But, but you know, it's just like, and again, good people, great time teaching, but they just, you, you just they didn't think everything through, right? They didn't, they didn't, you're just kind of like, you're just there to teach them and, and they don't really take care of you. And then there's other places I've gone and, and I, I just I want to publicly thank like Pastor Phil and Carrie Vance out in Pullman, Washington. When I went with Mark, we went out there for a teaching time. They called the staff 
They didn't ask me. They called the staff and said, what's Pastor Daryl's favorite foods? What's, what does he like to drink? What, what, you know, what's like his favorite this and favorite that? It was all in a room in their home waiting for me and Mark when we got there. They also found out, this is a while ago, they also found out that we were going through a very difficult time financially. And uh, in a nice note, uh, an envelope with my name and then one with Mark's name on it, there was a brand new $100 bill. And it said, uh, we're glad you're here. We're going to take care of everything. We're going to pay for every meal, anything you want, we've got. But in case you find yourself when we're not around and you need something, we want you to have this money so you can get it. And it's just yours. You just keep it. And I remember going, wow. And, and um, at that moment, Mark was playing basketball and he needed shoes for basketball. We didn't have the money for the good shoes. And, and, um, and uh, so I tried to get like Kmart shoes for uh, Mark back then and he didn't want them. So, and so we went to a... a a sporting goods store, and, the, and actually the, the pastor found us sneaking in there because I said, you can use your money to get these basketball shoes. And the, the, the pastor comes in, he pays for the shoes, won't even let us use our money, pays for the shoes. And, and so for the next two years while Mark was playing basketball, every time I watched him play, I looked at his shoes because I'm like, God provided those shoes. And, and there's just something about feeling welcome, right? You know, that's what God is saying. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm preparing a place for you. And, and I'm going to take care of everything. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of anything you need, and, and, and you're, you're never going to be without. And it just, I mean, that's powerful, right? I'm preparing this place for you. And immediately we go and we think of heaven like you're preparing that place for I me. Mean, but listen, life is short, right? I don't care if you live to 90. Life is short. You know what the Bible says? It says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. So, so how do we know where we're going? Let's just look at this quickly uh, today in the time we have left. He says, I am the way. Now, I know it's controversial. I am the way. I'm the only way. There is no other way. You have to go through me. I don't know if you're like me, but if, if I'm trying to get somewhere and I don't know how to get there, I get stressed out in the car. <laughs> Those will tell you, you don't want to be with me in a car when I don't know where I'm going. Even if it's on the GPS, I just, I, there's just something. I'm uneasy. It's just like, ah, uh, you're looking at me funny, so I know you don't go through that, but I do. It's like, I like to know where I'm going, but, but you know, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And, and we ask questions, don't we, as we go through life? And, and it's like, well, what if, maybe I should have gone that way, or, or the big decisions in life. Well, maybe I should have gone to that school, or, or taken that major, or taken that job, or been in that relationship. And we begin to just question and second guess all of the decisions we've made through life. And, and we just kind of drive ourselves crazy. Like, if, if I go the wrong way, I'm going to make a mistake and it's going to ruin my life. And we just, we have these thoughts as human beings. He gets us because I got to go the right way or else. The reality is, is that there's no way out of this life. There's no way out. There, there's appointed all of us a time to pass, and we're going to make a lot of decisions along the way. And, 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 but I can't tell you how many people I've talked to recently, both believer and people on the street that I talked to, who told me, I feel stuck. 
I feel trapped by the decisions I've made. I feel like I've been checkmated. Somebody told me that. It, like through the, through the series of life circumstances, I've been checkmated into this thing and I'm losing and I don't see a way out. When we don't see a way out, when we think, oh my goodness, what are we doing? There's going to be anxiety, there's going to be depression, there's going to be suicidal thoughts, there's going to be all these things that come upon us because we, we don't, it's like, oh, did I make the right decision here or there? And we just start, we do start, stop, because Jesus is the way. Listen to me. Every decision you've made, everything, you, know, you can say, I feel trapped, I feel like Jesus comes in the midst of our desperation and he says, I'm the way. I'm the way. Do you ever thought that? It's not an ultimatum. I'm the way or else. No, it's compassion saying, I'm the way. Come, follow me. There is a way out. Jesus shows us a way out of life. Isn't it cool to think that, that there's even a way out of our coffin someday, right? Like, like nothing's going to trap you. Like, Jesus always provides a way out. And he doesn't just show you the way. He is the way. Okay, listen to me. He is the way. So it's not like he's going to say, okay, follow these GPS directions and you'll get to the way. No. Well, check all these boxes. No. Do all these things. No. All these religious activities. Do No. I'm the way. I'm the way. I'm the way out. Follow me. The way is not a set of directions. It is Jesus himself saying, follow me and I'll show you the way to life. Submit to him. Say, Jesus, reveal yourself to me. Because listen, if you think that you can handle life all on your own, good luck. Because you can't. There's no way out. There's no way out of this alive. Jesus is the way. And it's a sign of compassion. It's not a sign of like, you better. It's a sign saying, I've come to show you a way where there is no way. He's also the truth. He's the one that came to set us free. The truth will set you free. This happens when I'm yielded to his way. When I'm, when I'm saying, God, you show me the way that I don't have to worry. Like, don't let your hearts be troubled. I am the way. I will lead you. If you allow me, I will lead you in my path. He has prepared the way. He's at work all along the way. I, I love that because sometimes we think, well, yes, we get to heaven someday. No, all along the way, every day we follow him. He is the path. He paid the price for the freedom. He paid the price to be all those things. And if somebody gave his life for you, that's a person you can trust. And that's what Jesus did for you. He gave his life for you so that you can know the truth. When he says, I am the truth, it, it kind of sounds exclusive, doesn't it? Aren't there other truths? Aren't there other things that, that you know, can show me a way out? It's like, you know, he says, I am the truth. And you know why he's the truth? Because he's God. He's God incarnate. God showed up on this earth with flesh, with bones, with emotions, just like you and me. But God showed up and said, this is who I am to you. This is God's big yes to his creation, saying, I love you. I've called you. That's why he's the truth, because he's God showing up with us and for us. 
I love John 3, 16. You all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's like that's how much God loved you. He gave you himself. God gave you himself. Like, Get a picture of how much he loves you. What does Jesus do on this last night of his life? He gets down on his knees and he takes the feet of the one who would betray him and he washes them. He takes the feet of the one who will deny him and he washes them. He takes our feet, the feet of sinners, and he washes us. That's what God does. That's the truth. When God showed up in the flesh, that's what he did. He loves us. That's truth incarnate. He is the life. He has defeated death, hell, and the grave, and he gives us life. We don't have to fear. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear anything because he's given us life. And what kind of life has he given us? It it talks about this in the New Testament. He's given us new life. What does that mean? Is that you are a new creation. You're not a better version of what you used to be. You are brand new. We've got to walk in who we are in Christ. Not the old way, not everything we've done in the past, but in a new way because I'm a new person. I'm a new creation. I've been given new life. And it's not just new life, it's abundant life, right? That the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I come to give you abundant life. It's not just for a few. It's not you better call now. You better have a high score. No, he says, I will give you abundant life. There's many rooms that I, I will bless you abundantly. And then he says, I'm going to give you eternal life. I'm going to be with you now and forever. I'm going to prepare a place for you. You don't have to be worried. I've got this, right? So, so eternal life. We believe here at Christian Life Church that there's a spirit-filled life, that we are filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we walk in the courage and the boldness that God gives us, that he speaks to his people today. So we're going to talk about that starting next Sunday and, and, and into uh, first Tuesday and talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're a spirit-filled church, spirit-filled life. He is the life. There is no other, there's no life in this world. There may look like there's life, but there's no life because he is the life and your life needs to be marked by God. I was that little boy standing in the middle of a block, just standing there because I didn't know how to get home. Knew I was close and I just stood there until a car pulled up. And it was my dad. Little secret, when I was growing up, they called me Little Daryl. Unfortunately, I've become Big Daryl over the years, but, but I was Little Daryl. My dad said, Little Daryl, get in the car, we're going home. And, and literally, I was like two blocks from home. So, <laughs> But it's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Jesus is pulling up today in this message. He's saying, hey, I'll take you home. So close. I'm so close. I, I just, I need to go home. And, and listen, you've got to come to him as a little child. Don't try to have everything figured out. And I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and I've got to make my way here, and I've got to do... He is the way, the truth, and the life. Come on, little guy. Come on, little gal. Get in the car. I'm going to take you home. You don't have to have it all figured out. 
You don't have to go all alone. And the comfort in what Jesus says is that it's not just a place. It's actually a person. It's Jesus, right? I love it. I'm going to prepare a place for you. You know what made that home that you saw earlier special? It's a dinky little home. (laughs) It's nothing special. It was the people inside the home. It was the grandpa and grandma inside the home, right? Heaven, like, some people are like, oh, yeah, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven, and and that's when it's all going to be good. Listen, if you're just waiting to die so that you can go to heaven, then death is your savior. It's like, I'll just die, and then I'll get to go to heaven. No. Heaven's heaven because Jesus is there. Jesus is there. It's not just a place. It's a person that we can have heaven on earth right now because Jesus is with us right now. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Not just a, a guide to get you to heaven, but a guide for this moment of your life that he is with you. I love that he is the place now and forever. And this vow that he gives you, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm going to tell you, there is nothing more powerful than reading that at the bedside of someone who's passing. But it's not just a vow for the future. It's a vow for today. It's God saying, this is the good news. It's a beautiful promise that transcends our ability to understand it. And sometimes we sound crazy, like Jesus is the only way, only truth, only life. But he is. He comes and he rescues us from a life that we'll never get out of. So whatever the cause of your troubled heart, because he says don't let your hearts be troubled, whatever the cause, maybe it's fear or shame or your past or burdens, write this down, it'll be on the screen. Jesus gives you a place, a home in Jesus where you are never lost but always found, never dead, but always alive. Isn't that good? He's given us a place in Jesus that you're never that little lost boy or girl wondering where you're supposed to be. He's your way. You're, 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 you're never dead. You're always You're not stuck. You're not trapped. You're not checkmated. He's got you. He's going to take care of you. And it's not just this verse that talks about it in the Bible. It's others in Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There's no one else. There's nowhere else you can go, so don't let your hearts be troubled. Let me tell you, don't let your mind get foggy. It happens in this world, doesn't it? Don't let your life get cluttered. There are so many things out there saying, I'm the way, or you need to go this way, or you need to go that way, or this is the truth, or that's the truth. No, that life is not found in this world. There is one vine, one power source. You can plug yourself into a lot of things, but it won't recharge you, right? You can plug yourself into a lot of different vines, but there's no life. You plug yourself into Jesus. He says, abide in me, and I will abide in you, and apart from me, you can do nothing But with him, we can do all things. We will bear much fruit. He is the vine. So fix your eyes on Jesus. 
Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me today? I want to pray for you, and I want us just to go to the Lord. We're going to sing again. Um, We're going to sing the song, Rescue, because He's come to rescue us. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and I want you to fix your eyes on Him. I want you to believe the promises of His Word. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I know there's a lot of trouble today in this world. I know there's a lot of troubled hearts, but don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me, even when things are shaking your faith. Don't stop believing. I've prepared a place for you. I've prepared my presence for you. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you that. Call on him today because God's got you. Jesus says in his word, I will come. When you call, I will answer. And that's not just when we die. That's today. Not just someday, but today and tomorrow and the next. Jesus said, I'm with you so you could be with me also. I'll show you the way. Jesus, your presence has been with us all morning in a powerful way. May we be people of your presence. May we be people who find time with you. That we would be delivered from the distractions and lies of this world. we would know the one who came to rescue us. That we would know the way, the truth, and have the new, abundant, eternal, spirit-filled life. Jesus, you're just so good. You're so good. You get us in our brokenness when we're lost, when we're trapped. You just, you understand. You're so faithful, Jesus. You're so beautiful and wonderful, so kind, so merciful. You are our source. You are our life. 